Welcome to the 110th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore of the Land Stewardship Project. Soon after Greg and Nancy Rasmussen graduated from LSP's Farm Beginnings Program, they bought a 65-acre farm in southwest Missouri. They knew they wanted to set up a pasture-based livestock production system, but realized the landscape and weather in their new home was quite different from what they were used to in Minnesota where they had taken the class and where they had been working closely with established farmers to learn the ropes. In Missouri, they needed to adjust everything from the size of grazing paddocks to the type of grass to grow. So the Rasmussens, who are both in their early 60s, decided to minimize their risk in these uncertain conditions by grazing cattle owned by a neighbor. Through this contract grazing arrangement, Greg and Nancy were able to learn what kind of rotational grazing system worked best on the Ozark Plateau. Now, seven years later, the Rasmussens own their livestock and are seeing their low-risk entry into farming pay big dividends. Their Sunny Lane farm is producing top-notch beef, chicken, and lamb on carefully managed rotational pastures. Greg and Nancy have learned that southwest Missouri is also a good place to market pasture-raised livestock products. They originally thought that they would simply raise beef cattle for the conventional market and use the farm as a place to retire. But to their surprise, today the Rasmussens are selling all of their products through local farmers markets, health food stores, and a restaurant. In fact, the demand is so high for their products that they are considering renting more land and expanding their livestock herds. I recently visited the Rasmussens and saw firsthand how they have adapted to farming and marketing in a different region. Greg later sat down and talked with me about how, quote, unquote, they practice grazing to launch their livestock farm with minimal investment and how direct marketing came to play a surprisingly big role in their operation. So, Greg, we were just uh, walking around the farm here, checking out your pastures and some of the things you've done just in the past couple of years. One thing that was kind of interesting, you and Nancy were talking a little bit about when you came down here, uh, one of the things that you consciously did was you didn't get invested in livestock right away. You tried to, because this area is so different, both weather-wise, soil-wise, different from where you had farmed in in the past. I know you guys have been in northern Missouri. You had family who had farmed in central Iowa, and then you worked with some farmers up in Minnesota. But here we are kind of in the Ozark Plateau, I guess, and it's a thinner soil, kind of a different situation weather-wise. You wanted to kind of figure out, you knew you wanted to do rotational grazing, but you kind of wanted to figure out how to do it. Plus, you didn't want to get too invested in livestock. It sounds like you were able to set up a nice system where you were able to custom graze and neighbors, do some custom grazing with some cattle, and then um, figure out how to set up your infrastructure with your paddocks and, and, and that type of thing, and instead of doing it the other way where you get the cattle and then you try to set it up. It, it kind of practice it, using somebody else's livestock to practice a little. When we bought this farm, the only fencing on it was the perimeter fence. And from going through the farm beginnings class, we knew we wanted to do rotational grazing. So, like you said, we were able to custom graze our neighbor's cattle. And keeping expenses down, we bought a lot of poly wire and a lot of step-in posts. And we designed different paddocks, different sizes, different shapes to kind of see what we eventually wanted to get to. What were some of the things you found out that you had to maybe do a little differently down in this area? Usually in the spring, well, everywhere grass grows quickly in the spring, but down here it really does. And so you need to move your cattle 
daily and also find a design of the paddock that will utilize the grass the most efficiently. So right now you guys are, um, you're raising cattle, got the Hereford cattle and, and the market lambs and poultry. And you said one of the things that kind of surprised you was you had known you wanted to farm ever since you, you uh, started looking into farm beginnings and that type of thing. But you maybe, sounds like you were a little bit surprised at how much direct marketing has become part of your enterprise here. And you're a little bit surprised at what a demand there is for this, uh, some of these pasture-raised uh, products. When we first started uh, talking about purchasing a farm and getting into farming, our plan was um, just to purchase some cattle and uh, sell them at the sale barn, basically. And then we came across the Farm Beginnings Program and learned that there was what we consider a better way of doing that. So we were able to get into direct marketing through doing some mentoring up in Minnesota during the Farm Beginnings class. And we just brought that down here with us and kind of set up things here. And you're, you're in a pretty good situation. You have um, markets within, it sounds like within a 30 to 45 minute drive uh, right around in this area. Right. We go to two markets mainly now, uh, Web City, which is down by Joplin. It's 45 minutes southwest of here. And then over to Springfield, which is 45 minutes southeast of here. Looking back a little bit, what was what was the most useful part about Farm Beginnings for you now that you've, you're actually out on the farm and you're doing it on a daily basis? What, what was it that turned out to be pretty valuable for you? I'd have to say uh, setting up the business plan and doing the business end of it. We'd had both had experience with the more or less physical part of the farm, you know, putting up hay, moving cattle, and uh, different chore type work but as far as the planning and business end of it we didn't have a lot of farm experience that way any big surprises now that you you're actually farming that you, you're like wow i never thought that would i never never thought of that one well like um our friend eric had said uh, farming's more or less like just like your household expenses only there's a lot more money coming in and a lot more money going out you didn't take farm beginnings until you were kind of mid-career, I guess. You, you've been involved in the telephone business for, would you say, forty some years. So you you took you and Nancy took farm beginnings when you were in your kind of mid fifties. Is that something you would suggest for people to take a class like this if you're looking at maybe doing something? It sounds like it's you wanted to have something to to do to shift as you're shifting into retirement, uh, and yet you're still young enough to farm. I'd recommend it. Like I mentioned to you earlier, I don't think we would be where we are today if we hadn't taken the Farm Beginnings course. It definitely helps out as far as, for us, the business plan of it, just the business end altogether. So it's not necessary just for somebody, some 20-year-old that's trying to get going? No, I know in our class we had just a variety of ages, and it's really helpful, you know, no matter what age you're starting, wanting to start farm. What are your future plans with the the farm here? Do you have any uh, uh, plans on expanding or kind of staying the same size? Or We're actually looking for another farm to rent right now. 
down in this area, the demand is so high for naturally raised meat that um, we could probably easy, easily double our what we're producing right now. But our farm here is at the max of the number of animals that we can handle, so we're looking for an, another farm to rent. <laughs> For more information on Farm Beginnings, see www.farmbeginnings.org. For more on the Rasmussens, see the number 4 2011 issue of the Land Stewardship Letter at www.landstewardshipproject.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.